Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. But anyway, but yeah, we're live. We're recording. We're up. We're up. Sweet. Thanks for being here, though. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. This is. I'm looking forward to this one. This is gonna be yeah. a lot of fun. So we're, you know, just so the audience kind of catches up with us. You know, Mike came on here, and he just. I didn't know you were a CrossFit guy, and now I'm. You, you know, you got my curiosity, and now I'm ready to start taking that dive and go down this rabbit hole. And you know, I told you my story. I mean, it was 10 years and I started competing. I just do like local competitions, some fundraising competitions. I do the open. I've been doing the open ever since I guess it, I started, but yeah, I mean, what about you? So what about you, you said you compete and you said, that, yeah, what's going on with that? Yeah. So I, I like, I was a, a collegiate athlete. I played hockey and, you know, I was always a gym guy training for hockey. And uh, when my career ended, you know, there's this weird transition. You go, you're an athlete. Now you're not, and you're thrown into corporate life and you're like trying to find an identity. And a friend of mine was running a program for try CrossFit. This was back in like 2009. Okay. So like long, like early days CrossFit and, and they weren't getting attendance. So he's like, man, can you help me out and come to this class? Sure. And I was like, sure, man, I'm like a globo gym bodybuilding type guy, but yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I walked in and like, I was able to scratch that itch and like it was it's it's you can be an athlete no matter your age and like I love the student athlete lifestyle you know you do work and then you kind of get to be an athlete as well and balance both and being a CrossFit athlete I say this to to my friends and everyone does is like I'm gonna be an athlete till I die like I'm never gonna stop being a student athlete like I love the lifestyle and, and CrossFit allows me to do that so yeah it's so much fun yeah that's yeah, it's one of the things that led me to it. And uh, well, yeah, that's what basically led me to it. But I was like you, I was a very just kind of bodybuilding or not even a bodybuilder, but I thought I was right. I was very good. <laughs> yeah. We'd go get uh, back in the day, like college, we would go on bodybuilding.com and get workouts and just like push pool stuff. And so anyway, I thought I was mainly just working out just to get the chicks, right? That was mainly. My <laughs> but, but when I started my job here at the university, uh, I was working out on campus and I was still doing just the basic bro lifts and the meathead stuff. And, you know, I saw some people kind of over the other side of the gym and they were doing, you know, like CrossFit. And I was like, what the hell, what the hell they got going on? And I actually met one of the guys that was doing it later on. And, you know, I was asking him about it. He's like, yeah, it's CrossFit, man. I was, you know, I was like, what the hell's CrossFit? And this was probably 2012, 2013, which I don't know. I can't remember when CrossFit started, but it was kind of close to what you said, I guess, or maybe even before. Yeah. But I guess this was when it started getting some heat, you know, in the early mm -hmm. game and stuff. And which, you know, back then, if you were like cleaning and snatching like 225, you were a big dog, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now it's tables. I mean, I just did a master's comp and like masters, which is age 35 to 39. Like guys are snatching like 300 pounds. And I was like, that's, that's not me. Like, I just, I just don't, yeah. I don't have that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's 
you know, humbling, it's amazing and frustrating with how the sport has evolved, but it's, mm. it's so cool. When I started doing CrossFit, there was a, and, and I'm in Toronto and there was one of the coaches at the gym actually made the games. And I think nice. because of that experience, following along and watching them along, like really got me excited about the competing aspect and just, you know, being able to do something. And the thing that's great about CrossFit is, you know, is there's always something, yeah. right? Like you're never done. There's always capacity that can be built you can keep you can be stronger you be more proficient somewhere so every day it's that one percent better and i find it translates to life to business to everything where it's like you're never done you're always on the path to trying to get better and if you compare yourself like for me if i compare myself to the guys that are snatching 300 pounds and think that 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 i could do that you're you know i'm not running my race i'm never going to be that but if I put that as the benchmark, then I'm going to be disappointed. So similar to life and business, it's like you're in your own race. And as long as you're worried about controlling what you can control and get 1% better. Mm-hmm. So like I I definitely see like CrossFit's a, a like foundation to just my life, my business, my relationships, everything. Yeah, for sure. It's taught me a whole lot with, I guess, just daily life in general. And, you know, and as you probably know, one thing that it has taught me, you know, comparison is a thief of joy. And that's, you know, that's from Joe Rogan and that, or I mean, he didn't say that, but I used to hear him say it all the time. But, you know, like you said, when I first started with CrossFit, I was all in, you know, I, I went and got certified. I was uh, watching YouTube videos all day long, watching the games, you know, I was studying, like I was all about it. And like, and I was, you know, probably my late twenties when I started and, I would like I was I was I'm going to the games, you know, which that's what I kept thinking, you know, and I was really excited about it. And I still am excited about it, but it got to a point where that okay, you know, I I you know, comparing myself to these other, you know, who was, you know, Ben Smith and Rich, obviously, and Matt Frazier and even the girls out there too, that was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, they're training multiple times a day. I'm only training a handful, you know, once or twice a day. If that, I mean, I just, this may be not being a cards for me right now. So let me just worry about what I'm getting out of this. Mm-hmm. And it changed my mindset. Like you said, not just along with how CrossFit and just, you know, me attacking daily life or, or attacking workouts and stuff. But when I attack daily life, as far as, you know, somebody cuts me off in traffic or I got to go walk from the other, other end of the parking lot to the store. It's like, there's no big deal. You know, I've done worse things here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and that mindset is when you get into that mindset, it's, it's almost makes you a dangerous man. Maybe that's a bad mm-hmm. word to say, but that's what I think of myself as. It's like, hey, shit's not a big deal, man. Let's just do this. You know, let's get yeah, out. Yeah, I, I I think it was, I, I remember early days, there was a workout and like, it was like a hundred burpees for time. And oh, you're sitting yeah. there and you're just like, like, nope. Like this is like, before you're just like, this is terrible. I'm never going to finish this. I'm sure. not going to get going. And three, two, one, and then you start. And, you know, you just have that self-talk throughout. And before you know it, you could see the finish line. Yes, And like, you know, when you do enough of these workouts, you realize like they all suck. But when you see something, all you all you say to yourself is just get started. It's not going to be as bad as you think. Just get started. And in life and business is the same thing. You have this, you know, task ahead of you that seems like there is no way I can do this. But what we've learned is we'll just get started and see what happens. And more often times than not, as soon as you start doing it, you realize it's not as bad as you think and you're already moving. So you just keep moving and just keep pushing through it. So um, it's like, it's huge. I mean, that's functional fitness. They talk about that in terms of the physicality of what it brings, but I think it's more mental than anything else in terms of how it prepares you to handle all the stresses of life. 
Yeah. And, and not only that, though, I mean, when you're doing it within a class, you know, I worked out with a couple of police officers and just, you know, I, there was some firefighters in our classes at one point and just, you know, throwing yourself into the the fire within, you know, with those guys is just it builds that camaraderie, even though you're throwing your everyone's giving their best, you're throwing down. And even though I'm not doing the same type of work on the outside of the gym like they are, you know, putting their life on the line every day in and day out. But it makes me feel better that, okay, you know, I'm pushing myself along with these bros right here, just getting after it. And just, you build that cool friendship and camaraderie. And, you know, in another point to that, that when I first started training, there was another guy in the gym and we were pretty close to the same age and, you know, we didn't know each other, but we just kind of started building a friendship and started training together. And, you know, two, a couple of years ago, I was a groomsman in his wedding. Never would have thought that would have happened. So I've met some of the best people in my life right now just through CrossFit. And that's part of also what keeps me coming back, not only just to work out, but just the, the social aspect of it, I guess, too. So. And you summed it up. Like, people always say it's the community, but I think you did a great job of actually saying what that means to you, which I think is is great. It's not speaking in buzzwords and like, yeah, it's great. It's community. But, like, that's what it shows up as. It's being a groomsman at a wedding. And yeah. it's you know, looking forward to going and see your friends to suffer together, to do something that sounds terrible, but like you're looking forward to it because you're going to do it with people that you enjoy hanging out with. And like, that's community. And like, that's, that's powerful. And I think, you know, it's, it's just, it's really cool seeing that. And you can drop into any CrossFit gym around the world and you have that sense of community, which is so cool. Like I was down in Miami a few weeks ago and I went to a gym and I felt so comfortable. Like immediately I walked in and you're like, I know this, I know these people, like we all speak the same language in terms of fit and we all get it. So like you immediately make friends and and you kind of uh, become part of that community, which is, which is great. It's so unique. Yeah. It's, you know, when I, when I first started CrossFit had some bad, what am I looking for? Bad terms with it. You know, people used to say that it's cult-like and that you'll get hurt doing it. And I was like, cult-like, what is that supposed to mean? I mean, just because I work out, you know, I'm a, I'm in a cult. I mean, well, you can say that with anything, <laughs> but, and, and and to your point though, that there is, I guess in the first days of CrossFit, there were bad gyms There probably still are bad gyms, but it's just like anything else in life. There's good doctors. There's bad doctors. There's good policemen. There's bad policemen. And just, it's just a matter of what type of experience you get and what coaches you see and stuff like that. But that's just daily life. But it's that, like there's bad people is what kind of gave it a bad name. And I've dropped into yeah. a couple of different boxes and I'm just like you, I felt welcome. And you know, I've, I don't think I've been to a gym yet. That's not been welcoming to me at all. I mean, I've been to even where gyms host uh, a competition or show. I mean, even though I don't know what their daily operations are like, but just being in the competition setting, like all the head coaches and people putting on are just so nice. And there's like, you know, and nobody cares like your level of fitness or anything. They're just like, Hey man, great. Glad you're here, man. Let's get after it. You know? Yeah. Let's yeah. And I think like, I, I think there's fear in generalizing anything. Right. And like, if you sure. look hard enough, you can find data or evidence to support a theory. And it's just, it's, you generalize it all great or all bad one way or the other. And you're wrong either way. Right. Because it all depends. Right. It really does. But I think the positives in this, I mean, if you think about if you strip it down and it's like the cores, everybody's going there to physically try to get better in yeah. some capacity. And like, that's a hard thing to argue that why that's bad of people getting together to try to get healthier. Right. Like that's it. It's a really hard thing to say that that's a bad thing. Yeah. No, there's, that's, that's a lot of the thing that 
another bad st- stigmatism. I don't know what word I'm looking for is, but when people think of CrossFit and you know how you and I are talking about competing and stuff, and they're like, "Well, I can never do that." And so, well, it's not about that. I don't care if you compete or not. And that if you just want to get healthier, I mean, it's I'm 36 years old. I know you said you're in a master's division too, and I'm in one of the best shape of my life, honestly. And you know, I feel stronger. I feel fit. You know, I feel like I I feel good all the time rather than just yeah. feeling, you know bad all the time just because but i'm conscious of what i'm putting in my body and what i'm doing and all that stuff but i guess where people say that i've heard people tell me that oh well, i gotta get in shape before i do crossfit i don't really make sense you know just come do it you know and just do your own thing and like don't compare yourself to others and if you look at it as just hey i just want to work out feel better you know and when i get older extend my life for x amount of years and just when i'm 80 i don't feel terrible right so yeah I, 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 people. I think like the, the, the point you just said about like, I got to be in shape to go and do something is on a bigger scale. It's everybody thinks, you know, you need confidence first before you take on a challenging task. And it's like, you get confident by taking on a challenging task. Like you're getting this reversed, right? Like it's not about gaining the confidence and now you can go do risky things. It's like by, by taking a chance and doing something, you're going to gain confidence through that experience. And it's the same when we talk about health and fitness. It's like, you don't have to get in shape to go and do something hard. Doing something hard is going to get you in shape. That's the point. And that's how you build confidence is by doing that and surprising yourself and coming out the other side of that and just being proud of you and your effort and what you've put in. Like, that's the process. It's not about the end result. Nobody cares at the end of the day who wins or what does this like oh. it, it's just it, you 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 want to be proud of what you're doing for yourself and if you can do that you're already winning yeah there's we have a couple people well i'm not going to say anything other than there's people out there that i'll just say that <laughs> that, are, that are rep shavers and and people know it we get it we see it whatever but it's just like you know i'd rather i would give you more respect if you just did the full workout entirely and this and, and I get you wanting to win. This is a competitive edge, but we all know what's going on, but you're not doing anything to help yourself with that. And that I've always feel like it's just going to come back and bite people in the ass when they're doing that. And just that, and then also makes me, you know, we talk about confidence and stuff. It's like, you know, are you just trying to be the best at just this one gym? I mean, who cares? No one really cares who wins the workout or not, but if that makes you feel good, I guess that's okay. I don't, I'm not here to, judge you or something but i was like I, but i think when i look at it from the outside looking in it's like what you put into this like if you're cheating reps and you're cheating this workout what else are you cheating at in life you know yeah yeah for something on the grand scheme of things doesn't really mean a lot and that's the thing like it tells you a lot about about somebody and what they need right external recognition for effort and like they can't just be intrinsically you know proud of what they've done regardless of what the 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 ranking the score all that kind of if it's, if it's your best effort it's really your best effort and the only person that knows that is you doesn't matter what rank it is it's like this is the best i got i gave it the best i got i can be proud of it let the chips fall where they fall and going back a little bit though did, did you say you played d1 hockey so I, equivalent in canada yeah so we okay. don't have like the d1 but uh, i played um I played for uh, the Canadian university team. We actually, we would do a university tour um, each year and we would play some D1 schools in the U.S. And we we played Michigan State the year nice. they won. They they beat us pretty handedly, pretty bad because they were a good hockey team. But um, it was cool. Like that's that's kind of what we did. And, and we were a good team too. The four years I was there, we made national 
the national tournament two of the four years. Okay. Um, so we were good. We were a good hockey program and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I was, I was a goalie. So um, okay. they were all a little different, right? That's what people say. So <laughs> how does, how does competing in that universe compares to like what you're doing now when you say you compete in a master's division? I mean, is it kind of the same rush? Is it just, I don't know. What is it? I mean, is it differences? I mean, you get the same thing out of it. I mean, what, what's your experience is like with it? This gets my yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. It's, it's, you know, there's performance anxiety you experience no matter what you're doing. Right. And you know, when you're an athlete, it's very win loss. It's very easy to tell. And it's very, you know, immediate <laughs> in terms of if you're doing well or not and playing hockey when I was a goalie, it was, it was easy, right? Like if you did well, you won and you didn't let, goals in and when you didn't goals were going and you you end up losing so a lot of it was as much as a team sport it was very individual for me so competing as an individual competed on both individual and team in crossfit you get the same sort of performance anxiety so it's great to have this mental talk going into something where you have the self-doubt you're worried you're scared you're nervous you don't want to look stupid all of these things that come in and then you just get started and it's just, you know, the butterflies are there and it's great at 38 that like I do something of local comp and like, I'm nervous, like the night before yes. the morning of like, you just it, like, as much as I hate it in the moment, I reflect back and being like, how cool is this that I'm 38 and like, I have performance anxiety for a recreational sport that I'm going to do because I care a lot about how I perform. And I just, I love it. I love testing it and saying like here it is you've done the work now do it and see how it shows up um i'm addicted to that regardless of win loss and all that kind of stuff it's just yeah just that moment yeah it's just like what i just said like what you put into something is what you'll get out of it so when you're putting in this type of work and I'm, i'm not sure how you're training right now but when you are training you go to do a competition and you get you know you see how you kind of stack up against the others and you get that performance anxiety and just knowing that did you say you're 38 years old 38 yeah like hey 38 still got it boys i'm so happy yeah. you know? so compete with these young bucks and and i'm you know i'm 36 and i still think that same way especially when you know we have some young you know 20 some year olds come into our gym and start working out and it's like yeah still got it 36 you know yeah man let's push know, back that clock right like tom brady and lebron yeah, let's keep pushing yeah, it back man because yeah. you see those stupid memes and those you know when you're watching a professional sports game and they're like oh he's 37 he's, he's a cinderella story coming out here you can go at any minute it's like i still got what the hell man and it's like i still got it right but i know i mean that might be a little bit different compared to what you know playing like tom brady like a completely professional sport. <laughs> yeah. but, but still it's just you know there's that i guess it's a social norm that when you start to get into your mid 30s your late 30s your 40s that you're supposed to basically slow down and you know, not do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're not supposed yeah. to, you're supposed to like slow down and not do as much. And, you know, just basically just say, Oh, it's, I'm getting old. I can't do this stuff anymore, but you still can, you know, but you might not be able to do it like you did 10, 15 years ago, but you can still do stuff. And then when you surprise yourself and, you know, hit a PR or something compared to when you were like 25, like, yes, this is why we're doing it here. This is why we're out here, boys. Right. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the saying is um, we don't get old because we stop playing we what is it i, I, uh, I think i just butchered it we no, no, no uh we 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 don't well, stop playing because we get old we get old because we, we stop, stop playing. playing that's it yeah. yeah 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 and i think that's true like you talked about it before it's like you know when you're getting older you just have to be smarter about it it's 
it's more about recovery protocol and more about you know what you're eating and stuff when you're younger you don't have to care about that as much when you're in your 20s like and you're good like you you can you can eat you can drink pretty much whatever and like you're gonna yes. be fine it's not gonna impact you you do that now like it's gonna it's gonna impact you for a few days like you really yes. just gotta if it's important to you you just gotta make right choices and like you can still get better it's just harder and it takes more of an effort outside of the hour 90 minutes whatever you put into the gym it's all the other stuff that really kind of moves the needle so so you get older if you put the time in there you can definitely still get better yes and to that point that's what we're seeing like when we see tom brady i think and lebron james and these older athletes who are still playing into their mid-30s and they're still arguably top of their game and just because they are actually doing the work outside of the gym where it's you know med, you know not meditation like recovery as far as like uh more science-based nutrition i guess and i can't remember exactly how they eat or what they're doing but we're seeing just because i, th- I think i read a statistic that lebron puts a million dollars in just to his recovery stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this and that's what he bases like why he can still play at the level he's playing to today and that people learning that now it's like, Oh, this is what extending these careers just because it's, Hey, outside of the gym, I'm watching what I'm putting in my body. I'm, you know, doing meditation. I'm working on yoga. I'm working on just X, Y, and Z. And then, Hey, you know, I'm continuing on with my life and just that, and it's just not, I only have to go to work, work out and go home. You know, there's more to it than that. Which is great. It's, there's just more information. And like, as, as we get presented with new information and new. Uh Oh, Ten years ago, we don't believe anymore because the information has changed. So of course we're going to change our beliefs because we have new information presented to us and we're going to try some stuff. So like, and it's just really cool the time we're in where it's just like there's so much innovation happening and so many new developments that it's just, you know, if you're open-minded and willing to try new things, it's just like it's really cool. It's a really cool time to be alive, I guess. Yeah. Do you consider yourself, I mean, pretty open-minded, like just to try new things and and I, we'll get into you know your background here. I don't want to make this yeah, whole yeah. podcast or whatever if we're already boring listeners. But I mean, but have you always considered yourself, you know, hey, let's try new things? I know like you were in hockey, then you moved over to CrossFit and just trying it out. But I mean, was there anything else that or you always been just you had to learn to have a more open mindset, I guess is my question. I, I definitely had to learn. And I would credit my 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 wife, my better half as someone that, you know, constantly pushed me to not be so rigid and structured in my thinking and kind of try new things. And like, you know, you, you have someone that you trust that is, you know, a guide for you to do this. And like, I was resistant to it a while and, and, and you start doing it and you realize like by going outside your comfort zone, that there are growth opportunities to doing that. And like, it is uncomfortable, but that's the point. And that's where kind of growth happens. So, you know, I did it, you know, I had help a very patient partner who was, you know, probably serving her interests to have me do these things, but it worked. And like, now I've, now I have a much more open mind. I'm willing to try new things and much more flexible. And I would say it's largely because of her influence for sure. How about yourself? Are you, do you consider yourself, has that always been the case or is it recent or? No, no, it's more recent. And what it was, was that kind of what we were talking about before I started recording was starting to listen to podcasts and just understanding like actually just hearing conversations you know like listening to joe rogan and whoever he had on at the time my first podcast i listened to was him and kevin hart and this was 
huh. years ago, years ago. And it, and I remember why I listened to it, or why I started listening to podcasts too, was because I bought my first pair of AirPods. And I remember I was sitting at work and I was like, well, I don't want to listen to music. Let's see what podcasts are about. And I remember I was like, oh, well, I knew Kevin Hart is. And I didn't know much about Joe then, except that he was a UFC commentator and that he was a comedian. I was like, well, well, he's got no, he's ranked number one. Let's see what's going on. He must be good for some reason. But yeah, but to your to your question, you know, through college and through my early careers coming out of college and adulthood, you know, I, I felt, yeah, I'm pretty sure I had a, you know, fixed mindset and just that I was only going off based off what, you know, if you were to tell me your experience about whatever you had, like you, you ran a marathon, right? And you're like, oh, marathons suck. I was like, well, hey, I hear they suck. <laughs> and, you know, and exactly. That, and that's how I would go through life and just, and based off what my professor said or what book or if I was reading at the time, which I really didn't read much at the time. But so I guess I had a really narrow, fixed mindset. And then when I started listening to podcasts and learning about, you know, Jocko Willick and David Goggins and Cameron mm-hmm. Haynes and, you know, all these different scientists and all these badass um, CrossFit people who I've listened to on, pro, you know, on uh, podcasts too, is like, oh, wait. You know, I don't have to do it this way. You know, there's different ways of doing this shit. You know, it's just that I didn't ever think of it. Or like, I never really thought about stuff like that just because I wasn't able to have this, you know, type of conversation to open up my eyes to it. Or I just never, you know, looked at something and whatever it is in their, in their shoes. It was always just like kind of my point of view. And just like if I heard it from a family member or a close friend, just based on, well, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't ride a bike because I'll probably get hurt. So I'm not going to ride any bikes. You know, and that was, Dude, I was, I was the same. I was exactly yeah. the same. And I think it's just, I think that's the norm because it's easy, right? Yes. Like, you don't have to do the work. If you hear from, you know, what you think is like an authority figure, a friend, someone, a trusted advisor, it's the truth. Sure. You don't need to fact check it. It's just like, it's easy. It's like, great. This is now what I believe because so-and-so said this and like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. And it's empowering when you can learn from so many different people, because I'm a believer in that every single person is unique. There is no duplicates. Like how you see the world and how you solve problems is like no other because nobody's lived your life. Nobody's seen what you've seen. Nobody's experienced what you've experienced. So how you see it, if you tap into authentically how you view something, it's unique and it's so rare and it's so cool. And now we have these platforms where we get to learn from each other about but there, as long as they feel comfortable actually telling an authentic story instead of the one that they want, they think everybody wants to hear. But if you're real, then like we can learn from everybody because nobody's lived my life. Nobody's lived your life. Nobody's lived Kevin Hart's life or Joe Rogan's life. So like you get all of that information. That's just, it's awesome to learn from so many different people. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things I like to say on here is that you know, back in the day, well, I was going to say back in the day, let's say five, maybe not five years ago, let's say 10, 15 years ago, that if you had certain conversations, let's just say talking about, for example, uh, masculinity, or if you felt like, you know, you were, like I had a guest on here the other day who was kind of, not ridiculed, but to something to that extent where he felt, you know, like a sissy is what he called himself, and that, you know, he never really spoke up until he just started having these conversations basically. And so the saying, Hey, it's cool. Like I, I feel stuff. It's no big deal. And I guess my point is that, you know, talking about like stuff like that or like mental illness or um, I don't know, hot button topics where you can start to have these conversations through podcasts and start to learn and get these thoughts and 
ideas out and you share it with the world. Like these conversations are, you don't have to keep more stuff in. You can actually feel like mm-hmm. you can talk about it. And it's and, and like talking about like, all right, for example, like, you know, I think LeBron James does yoga or hot yoga or something. But, you know, if you were to say that probably back when I was growing up in the nineties or whatever, everyone's just like, you do yoga. That's only for women. Right. But now, you know, you can say that comfortably because, you know, there's big time people doing it and you know it well just because you heard them on a podcast and they were talking about it. And also to your point about authenticity is that that's one thing when I started this podcast, too, is that I wanted to be my true for himself. Like if you and I were sitting at dinner, I wanted us to be having the same conversation. And like, yeah, there'd probably be a little bit more jokes and stupid sayings or whatever <laughs> in there. But um but I wanted to be like, you know, a per- I felt like a lot of people can read bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And like, you know, if you start saying one thing and then they hear you on another podcast talking about something completely different. So, well, that's not what you said last time. So you're just making this stuff yeah. up as you go, right? So I wanted it to be a hundred percent, you know, of Chris Sheeler as much as I could be, right? And that's what I always like to tell guests too, is like, hey, when you're talking, you know, just be you. That's what people mm-hmm. want. They want, and that's what I want. I mean, that's what I think is a form of, awesome conversation is that you know you come out and you you share your humbling experience you sell your share your vulnerable vulnerable abilities you share your your goals in life you share what you did in life and like you know you triumphs you accomplished because more people relate to that type of stuff where yes yeah like if you have like something going on and sorry about this rant but if you have something going on inside that you know i used to think this too before having these type of long drawn out conversations that you know, if I was having a bad day or something, and not really a bad day, but just if I was thinking a thought that maybe I shouldn't be thinking, I guess, that I was like, well, is, am I wrong for thinking yeah. this? Or am I weird for thinking this? And now, and I'm, am I the only one? And now it's just like, hey, I'm not the only one. So this helps. I can talk about it freely. Sorry. Well, I, I think it's because, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, I, I, and, we, and first of all, like, I want to give, like, you know, to all of your listeners, like, the, the thing that's cool about this experience with 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 you is like, we literally started talking offline and you're like, man, I, I'm just going to hit the record button. And we're just going to get like, there was, the, I don't I didn't, there was no questions in advance. There's no topics in advance. We just started chatting. Like we were, and, and we get like, the rapport is great. It's like, we've been buds for a while, but like, this is like, this is like, yeah, this is raw. This is authentic, which is cool. And to your point, like, it's great that people are feeling confident being vulnerable because what it allows is for people to relate and not feel like they're alone. To your point, you don't have to live with these things, you know, these feelings. I did a podcast last week where it was about imposter syndrome and talked about, you know, things that that not a lot of men talk about, about like the feelings of feeling insecure and not sure and you're a fraud. And like my own journey with, with therapy and having, you know, regular meetings with a therapist to explore, you know, my mental health and how I'm processing things and just figuring out how I work. And like, it's just, you know, it's okay. And it's normal to explore these things. Whereas like a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about it. So if you're dealing with these things, you feel like it's just you and you're an outlier where more people talking about it, people can relate and they're not alone and realize like, we're all trying to figure it out. Like nobody knows, nobody has all the answers. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all we're all just literally trying to figure it out day by day. So a hundred percent. And I'm wondering, and I I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say to this, but talking about, yeah, you know, you and I are roughly the same age, but do you think there is more? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? There's more mental health issues going on in this country just because of 
you know, holding things in and not being able to have certain conversations and not being able to, or even just start the conversation. Not, And I'm not saying like in the form of a podcast, but just being able to come to a close friend, family member or whatever, and just saying, Hey, you know, I don't, I feel different today. Right. You know, I don't know why I just feel it rather just where they're, you know, back and I guess where I'm getting that from too, is kind of growing up. If I were to say that, you know, I never really got the, why are you feeling that way or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like, Hey, let's explore this. Why are you upset or you know, why do you think X, Y, and Z? And so now where it's just like, it's, Hey, let's get this going. Let's share, let's share this with people. And it's okay. So, so I guess that's my question. There's a lot of, do you think there's a, maybe that's the root or the stem of the problem of some mental health issues or what? Definitely. I think there's always like, there's a few factors. My opinion is like, whenever X, there's, there's a disconnect between expectation and reality is usually when things can happen internally and result in mental health. And I think, you know, social media, pressure about where you should be in life and the life you should be living and all of these things that are out there when that's your expectations and it's not met in reality it causes some feelings and some emotions and you know so that there's a lot of that going on so i think there are a lot of mental health issues happening because of the, the digital world we're living in and how everybody's life is on display only the best versions of people's life. And we think that it's day to day. So I think that there's an issue there. The good news is I think with more people talking about it, we're aware of the issues where I think if you rewind the clock, they were still there. We just didn't know about it because nobody was talking about it. So you were burying it and hiding it and it would probably present itself in other ways, whether it's physical health or, you know, relationship issues or things that way, at least now we can say to friends, we can listen to podcasts and and kind of do it ourselves where it's, you know, I'm not okay. I don't feel great. And like, that's a great starting point. Like just acknowledging that, like something feels off. Great. And you have a support system that you can, you can kind of unpack that. I think it's encouraging that we're here now. And I think the expectation reality kind of disconnect is kind of how we got here. Yeah. Going back a little bit, you just, you talked about, I think you just said you were on a podcast about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really didn't really understand what it, imposter syndrome was. You know, I, I going back, like I, I'd heard about it, but I was kind of like, I don't know, whatever. I don't need to know about that was. And then when you brought up performance anxiety tonight, I said, wait, wait. Cause when I first started learning about imposter syndrome, I was like, well, mate, cause maybe I said, maybe that's what I have. Cause when I would go out into my first workout of a competition, I was like, shit, they're going to take them a fraud. Why am I out here? Uh, you know, I mean, like everything, I'm just thinking about everything that could go wrong. And then, but I would, I would learn, I finally learned to change that once they said, all right, 10 seconds, like, all right, let's put your, put your mind at, uh, change that mindset right there. And I think I just picked that up from when I was listening to a podcast with Mike Tyson, where he was talking about how he almost had kind of the same stuff. I don't know if he said poor performance anxiety or imposter syndrome but he used to be almost scared to go into the the ring or whatever but once he started walking up to the ring they played his music stuff he would just start telling himself that he's a god and mm-hmm. he was like ready to go and i was like well damn mike tyson was scared i mean <laughs> okay and that's maybe that's what i need to do and so that's when i just learned like hey when that clock hits or whatever boom let's change that mindset let's get after it so but i guess i mean i guess that's my next question for you though i mean like did you think it was imposter syndrome or do you, I mean, do you deal with that or is it even with every daily life, your hockey career, or was it just performance anxiety in general? So I think it makes it both. Like, I think, you know, in sport competition, like more, more performance anxiety, because I felt like I was capable 
And like, it was more so like, can I perform? Like, can I overcome the nerves and actually show who I am? And, you know, so the, you're just battling with that expectation reality. I expect that because I put in all of this time, I should be performing at this level. And when you get the glimpse or get the feeling that you're not there, then you start panicking and that's anxiety and kind of just, just that buildup. I think the imposter syndrome for me is more in a business context where, you know, a lot of the times, you know, kind of doing this, like you don't know what you're doing and you feel like yes. if you, if you admit that, and if you tell someone, then they're going to say, aha, I knew it and everything goes away. And now they take it all away from you. And all of it goes to zero because you didn't know what you're doing all along, but you were tricking people and now they know. So now you, you, you can't do the thing anymore. And like that just hangs over you in terms of this self doubt where it's like, all I got to do is not be figured out that I don't know what I'm doing and I'll be okay. But if somebody finds out, then I'm, you know, screwed. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's when it goes. And so like, that's the battle of like, you know, trying to present yourself with someone that has your, your, your crap together, but like you're, you're, you don't know all the answers and you're trying to figure it out. So like, that's the battle internally you know, I have as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, business owner, and it's kind of like, I think I, my sports background helps me deal with this a little bit, but it's still like, I think we all deal with it in some capacity. And, you know, if you have some success, you know, you're, you, you, you start thinking like, was that a fluke? Like, yes. was that, did I get lucky? You know, is that, um, you know, and then when something goes wrong, it's like, ah, see, you, you, you shouldn't be doing the thing. This confirms it. This is, this is why you're, you're not doing the thing. So like a lot of that was going on and and I'm still dealing with that. It's just, it's a, it's a challenging thing. That's, that's one thing that when people, this, the saying, fake it till you make it, I, I like it. And I think it works in certain, in certain scenarios, I guess, but also that you shouldn't also rely on that as a cool background or thing to do just because that, yeah, I guess you can, I guess it worked. Like I said, I guess it does work in certain scenarios, but, it's okay to say, I don't know to things, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's like what you just said that in my experience, that if I were to say that at work or in a CrossFit gym, like as a coach or just anything in general, that if I said, I don't know, then I would feel like I'm a fluke or, you know, I have mm -hmm. flaws. Yeah. And, but now, you know, I've learned just through, conversations and book reading books and podcasts where it's you know and like Jocko Willings talks about extreme ownership and that, that book yes and that Great book. if you just it's okay just to own it you know and just say that hey I, I don't know but I'll figure it out for you right mm -hmm. just that that way like you're talking about being authentic and being authentic and everything that people know then and like I have more respect for that now that when people tell me they don't know rather than just starting to make up something about, you know, if you were to ask about like, how is this, you know, do you know anything about this pin? And they just start telling me random stuff. And it's like, there's no way that could be right. Right. Just tell me you don't know anything about this pin. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's one thing that, and that's another thing that I find that's more really powerful in people that, if you know, the, the ability to say no, and also the ability to say, I don't know, but I can figure mm -hmm. that out or I'll find out for you. Yes. There's, it's funny because there's strength in that where you we assume that it's a weakness to say you don't know, but there's actually a confidence because you feel comfortable saying that you don't know. It doesn't mean that you're never going to know. You just don't know in the moment. And I think like outcomes in anything are unknown. You, you, you can't say with absolute certainty that something's going to happen. You can't. 
You, you don't know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You can place a bet and have like a, a strong, like you can feel confident on an outcome based on what you know today, but nobody knows the future. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. We're all just making our best guess on what's going to happen next based on information we have now. So if you don't know something, it's because you're just lacking some information now to make a decision. But nobody knows. That's the thing is like nobody knows. We're all making a best guess. Just because something worked one way in the past doesn't mean it's going to work this way in the future. Like the future is a big unknown. Outcomes are unknown. We're all playing poker and we're all making a bet. That's it. The cards, we don't know what's coming, but you have a pretty good idea of what you have and the probability of stuff that's going to drop. That's it. We're just placing bets. I want to direct the conversation more into your, what, you know, basically why you're here in your background, your entrepreneur and business stuff. But before we start diving into that, you know, you're, you're very enlightening, man. You got a lot of great wisdom. You seem to have, you know, you have well thought out thoughts uh, you know, when speaking, I mean, is this something also that I wanted to, you know, have you always been a person who's just reading books and learning from others? I mean, or basing your know, leadership style and from others. I mean, just learning these life lessons through other people or I guess I mean, it might be a poor way to ask that, but I mean, like, how did you, how, I mean, where did you put all this together? Where's all this coming from? Is it, you know, family? Similar, what? Similar to you. It's, it's, it's like podcast learning, self-help. Like I always like to, like, I think you can learn something from anybody. And I love reading self-help books. I love reading from learning from everybody really, and seeing how it applies to my life and where I can pull that, pull that information in. Jocko, we talked about, I've read that extreme Orange. It's a great book, right? Like there's, there's so many, I just read um, Bob Iger's book, the CEO of Disney ride of a lifetime, amazing book about like, 
like his a- journey from from like he was the one that kind of did the Pixar acquisition, the Marvel Studios, and the the George Lucas. But it's really just like yeah, his story, and you learn so much about about him. And there's just there's there's just so much knowledge out there that's just available that you can just grab um and i just uh, yeah i i just love it like i'm just addicted to 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 learn i read i read a book the other day about um how to be a stand-up comic so i could be a better speaker because they have a framework on how they deliver their their stand-up comedy routines and there's it's a very rigid framework but like that was a cool read in terms of how to tell a better story and how to do things that way so you can learn something from anyone and it just excites me to 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 learn yeah yeah i love that you have that learning mindset and i always believe when you stop learning you stop growing and and i wish i would have found this out back in you know, 20 years ago during oh, me too. Right in college and stuff. And I don't know. And I'm not, I'm happy where I'm at now in life. Don't get me wrong, but it's just a matter of just wait, you know, if I wouldn't have had, like we were talking about that fixed mindset earlier, it's just, you know, if I would have had this different mindset and, you know, where could I be at now? I don't know. Could be worse, could be better. But that to that point though, I mean, kind of growing up in college and stuff, I guess I was kind of fixed on, the the norm of where if you read if you read books you were kind of a nerd right yeah yeah, yeah. me too me that's too. not that's not cool you read like yeah. go watch something cool go watch a cool movie right and, yeah. and and I used to also think that way with people who had who kept calendars or a planner or like a had a schedule and I was like what what are you doing I mean that's that sounds like a loser man you keep what you got a daily planner write it down <laughs> write down what you're gonna do today and I I feel bad now that I say that out loud. That I used to think that way, but yeah, I guess this is my point that if I wish I, if that was one thing, I would like to go back and just say that instead of trying to be the the cool kid on the block, just, yeah, man, I read, I learn stuff, man, here, let me tell you some cool shit here. Yeah, but I think like to, to your point, like you're there now. Yes. I think like we can always think about like if we had more, but you're here now. Most people don't get to this point. That's true. Right? Like, so you're here at 36, like, like think about how much growth and how much more you're going to learn now. Whereas like, there are people like, you know, older generations that are in their sixties and seventies that just never like were very fixed mindset. It was just because that was the culture. So like we're in a society now where it's, where it is more open-minded where we want to learn, we want to learn from everybody, most people. And, you know, I think it's, you know, if you are one of those that wants to learn, like, like, Right, like it's just a great opportunity to do so. So be grateful that you're here now. That's I mean, correct, I wish I was there as well before, but I'm happy I'm here now, and we got a we got a long road ahead of us. Yeah, I got a I got a goal to be a centurion, so I hope it happens. <laughs> There'll be a lot along the way, but um, man, I had a good question there for you. Oh yeah, that was my next question. So sometimes you know we were talking about a little about performance anxiety, but just I don't know if this is anxiety. You might have a different feeling for it, but we you know we when we're talking about learning and reading books and podcasts and just watching documentaries about whatever or movies or anything, just do you ever feel that it's almost information overload into your brain? Sometimes. And yes, I think like, you know, it can be, it could be too much. And I think it's, you got to be in the right headspace to do that. Sometimes, man, you need the reality TV where you can just yes. kind of shut your mind off and just give it that. Like if you force it, then it's just, it's too much, right? Like it's, it's like anything else, right? It's moderation, right? Like exercise, everything is just like, you have to, you have to do it in moderation. If you, if you go to the extreme, then I think, 
you know, that's unhealthy as well. So if you're just consuming 24 hours a day or 20 hours a day constantly, like you're eventually going to burn out and you're not going to enjoy the process. So like, you know, I'm really easy on myself and there's, there's sometimes I get in a rhythm and like I'm crushing books. And there's sometimes where it's like, you know what, I'm binge watching some stuff on, on Netflix and I'm good with it. Like I'm, I'm fine. So just have knowing that like, it's going to, going to come and go and and are you kind of the same or are you like where are you at in terms of yeah how I, you manage that yeah i get very i've started to manage it but i get to where you know if i get pulled away from work and i'm listening to a podcast or an audio book and, and I, if i don't get to finish it it's like oh i'm gonna miss something i want to learn it right now and i get a little pissed off about it just that man i don't want to go help these people out i gotta go back and finish this podcast and or if it's not something that i, I can help out people while I have an air, airpod in while i'm doing whatever to fix our problems it's just that yes but then you know to that and i get ag- yeah i get agitated with that really bad and so but then you know at the end of the week you know friday night saturday night it's just that because I do that all week, like literally while I'm at work, I'm either I'm by myself mostly at work. So it's either podcasts or audiobooks or in my right. headphones with some music here and there, but it's rare now just because I'm so fixated on this. What are they talking about? You know, the yeah. podcast out there, there's a new podcast. I feel Neil deGrasse Tyson. What's he talking about? Let me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so at the end of the week, though, I've learned, and this is how I've managed it, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, hey, this is your just chill nights, you know? Hey, mm. this, you know, if you got a good show on, like, you know, it's not, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I like Yellowstone right now, but Hey man, just watch it, you know, get, go get you a drink, some, you know, yeah. I like gummy candies too while I eat it and just chill. And, and that's my thing. And it's like, and, and it's, and when I do that, it's like, okay, you don't have to be, you know, on, always on the mm-hmm. brain going all the time. It's like, shut it down or, and I love really stupid, raunchy comedy sometimes. And yeah. Just, yeah. And it's just like, you know, you don't have to think and you can just get a stupid laugh out of like, you know, somebody falling out of a car, I guess, or whatever. It's just, okay, that's good. And and, and that's how I kind of keep my balance though. So yeah, it's just I like, like that. I think it's smart like to have that, the, those breaks, right. And that cadence to be able to balance it a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, and, and when I, if I do go out on Friday and Saturday night and that, you know, we start to have, you know, we don't never talk about hot topic or we do sometimes, but never, you know, but we start to have these conversations and say, like, okay, you know, th- I'm getting my feel right here. I'm learning about whatever through your point of shoes or your eyes and that, okay, yeah, that's cool now. And then, you know, and even if we don't agree on the same thing, we can still sit and just talk and have this cool conversation. And at the end of the day, we're still friends, whatever. So then that helps too. It's just said, okay, you know, I'm actually just out and about having a couple of drinks and boom, I'm still getting my fix on there too, by learning and just engaging with people where, and, and previously I would never really, I would too be too nervous to talk about my opinions on certain things. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the best conversation you have is when you disagree on something right? and you're not, and you're not overly emotional about it. I, I, I don't know if you read anything by Adam Grant, but he has a, a book that's called uh, think again. It's all about kind of new information being presented, how, you know, we should always be changing our beliefs based on new information. And he has this exercise where if you're speaking to somebody and you disagree, and it seems like it's not going anywhere, there's one question you can ask somebody to see if it's going to be a productive conversation or not. And the question is, what information would you need to see that would change your perspective? Mm. And if the answer is nothing, 
then you're you're never going to get to a point where you can have a productive conversation because they're emotionally charged up and they're not not thinking about it. But like all of us, whatever you think, there's some information that if it was presented, you would change the way you think about that. Of course. So it's just an interesting way to have a conversation with someone and being like, hey, listen, I think it's believe this. I believe keto. You believe fasting. Mm. What information would you need to see that would make you think that maybe fasting is not? Yes. Right. Like, and then you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that way. Well, I guess if there was this information, it probably wouldn't be like, oh, that's cool. And then I'll give you mine. And we kind of like, you kind of move off your point. You still have the belief there, but it just moves the conversation in a more productive way. Yeah. That, that's, that's some great points, Michael. Like, that, I wrote that book down too. So put that on my list. But, <laughs> and, and, and I love that just because, you know, being and kind of going back to the CrossFit topic again though but i'm and being a coach too i'm i'm asked sometimes about nutrition and you know what, what works and what doesn't work and that and i'm assuming to my okay so yeah to my point before i get too far ahead i'm assuming do you know who lane norton is no uh so he's a guy that he, he's bio lane on uh instagram it's his handle but he, he's just done he's a big nutrition guy he was a power lifter at one point like an, i think they had some kind of olympic powerlifting thing but anyway okay but he's a he's a, he's a good follower, especially if you're all about, you know, nutri- if you're into the nutrition game. Definitely. But he's one of these guys who he's loves going down to studies and just picking apart the studies and just saying, "Hey, this is the information that's being presented. This is what they did, and this is what they didn't do." Also, and so, and it's kind of like you know when you start talking about because diet is a very nutrition and diet. Like I in. I don't envy people who are in those fields just because it's a very, depending on who you're talking to, a very dogma approach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like these conversations that just because, you know, one person might, like you were just talking about, might believe keto to the, like, you know, die on that hill of keto. And it's just like, what are we doing here? And which I'm not negating keto by any means, but it's just like, did you look at this other studies, you know, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, and I read, I recently just read sacred cow and they were talking about the importance of meat where, you know, anti meat eaters were just like, no, don't eat meat. And I had a guy on here talking about like, he only, I forgot what he does, but he was just talking about how he doesn't eat meat and how much it was bad, really bad for you. And the whole time, and I didn't want to give him a lot of pushback. I gave him a little bit, but I wanted to present some of this information from in front of him and like hey man what do you what do you think about this this is different right this is not mm-hmm. kind of going on with your points but no i do agree though it, what you said about his point that if they if you were to ask what information would change this and they say nothing then it's like all right then i don't want to have i don't this is just wasting <laughs> yeah. time. I'm just wasting exactly. but it's stuff like that like i would like to to know like hey if i'm thinking wrong if i'm thinking differently like, well show me man what do you what do you know that i don't know mm-hmm. and that's cool. mm-hmm. like that and that's cool and it's like into the end of the day i don't it doesn't matter but just because I didn't know, well, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what I don't know. So hit me, hit me with some knowledge. Like I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind being schooled. Take me to school. It's a science experiment, right? Like it's just uh, it's different things. So like, cool. Let's let's test some stuff. Test test some different hypotheses and see see what works. Like yes. we don't we don't know. And, and and like what we believed was truth ten years ago is we've we've debunked and now it's changed so like if you're still believing things that you believe 10 years ago then like what information are you ignoring and not evolving your own thought process like it's there are some things that are foundational beliefs that obviously those are going to remain you know foundational to you but everything else how i think about diet exercise sleep uh business 
you know, all of those have changed drastically because information's changing. There's more stuff coming out. There's innovation. There's new studies. There's new ways of doing things that you should constantly be testing and doing things differently. Why wouldn't you? Yes. Why not? It doesn't hurt anything to try something for, you know, a month or whatever, or even, I mean, I don't want to say, depending on what it is, I guess, you know, if you, if you were to tell me you want to lose some weight and you try to diet and you're like, well, I did it for a week. It's we didn't really, you know, I mean, come on, you did, you know, you, you said I did it for a week. It didn't work. Well, I was like, come on, come on, man. You gotta do, you gotta do something more than that. I mean, 30 days, at least do that. And, and then tell me what happens. But, but anyway, but I want to, you know, I know we're getting, getting a little short on time here, but I want to, I, we, we've been talking a lot, man. And like you just said earlier, yeah. we've just been vibing and I'm loving it. But, you know, before we start going down another road, I mean, so I guess to give more people about your background, though, you you basically help employ, employee recruitment. Is that a good way to put it? Or Yeah, like hire, like what, what I'll say right now is like my, I've been in the recruitment space for 15 years and like hiring's boring, man. Like job descriptions suck, resumes suck. Um, I'm changing all of that because the thing is, is like kind of aligned with what we're talking about now is the job description and the resume don't even come close to telling the story of the people behind them. Like everybody, the best jobs everybody has is because of their boss and the people they work with. So when you have a bad job, you're not leaving the job, you're leaving the people most more often than not, you're leaving your boss, your boss sucks sure. you're leaving. So if you're looking for a new job, the biggest influencer of how that experience is going to be is the boss. So where are they? Um, like, what are they like when you know, when you're applying for a job? Like, why is there no information on who they are, even what they're like to see if it's worth something you want to explore? And that's what we do. So we do video job descriptions where rather than like reading about something, you get to watch it. You get to hear your boss tell you about the job. This is who I am. This is my background. This is what I've been doing. It's kind of like a podcast. This is my background. It's what I've been doing. Here's who I am. Here's what my team does. And here's what we're looking for. Love to chat with you. And on the flip side, candidates get to video apply where they get to speak to the things wow. that the, the hiring manager wants to hear. So you don't have to guess. There's no, you know, posturing in terms of like, you know, I think they want to hear this. So here's how I'm going to write my resume or, you know, I don't know who I'm speaking to. So I'm going to posture myself to be this way because this is the professional version that everybody wants to hear. It's like, no, man, that's, that's not life. Let's there's, there's, there's your professional persona and then there's you. And what we're doing is like, it's the same person. So like, why are we trying to be this version professionally when just be yourself? And that is like, that's, that's, that should be how we recruit and attract talent. So that's what we're doing is bringing authenticity and human element back into the hiring process. Love that, Mike. And I had so many thoughts as you were talking. I hope I don't, because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm loving this new idea of it, the video form of podcasts or the video form of hiring. And just because. I recently started a new job a couple of months ago and just, you know, I went through the whole process of just fill out the application. Here's my resume and, and going through, I guess, old school techniques of what I learned in college is like, Hey, write your resume to fit whatever job you're applying for and write your cover letter to apply, you know, just to these things. And, and it's like you said, like, I don't know who's getting this. I don't know that unless you, you know, it's all about who, you know, is what some people say, but I, I didn't know anybody here. So I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know who's going to read this. I don't know who's seen this at all. And, and I luckily, you know, you know, when you get the, if, and when you get the interview, 
that if you do get the chance to meet the boss, you can ask questions there if you feel good about it, but that's not always the case. I mean, but I've always, I've learned now to kind of ask about like what work the workplace culture is like and why did the other person leave and stuff like that. But, but and being and looking at it on the op, the other end of that and being the hiring manager, I've been in that position too in one of my universities and just that, you know, everything looks good on paper, but when they come in for the interview, it's like, what the heck happened here? Yeah. Yeah. Think about how much time as a candidate, think about how much time you have to invest before you meet who your future boss would be yes. from seeing the job description, reading it, writing your resume, writing your cover letter, applying, probably doing some sort of online application to go through this. Then you do a screen with the recruiter. You invested probably a few hours and then you meet them and the, your future boss and you're like, nope, not for me. We do that in two minutes. The video job description is a two minute trailer. It's like a movie trailer. So like before you even decide if you want to invest any time, you, you get an idea of who your boss is going to be. And it's either I'm in and now I'm willing to invest in time or no, I wouldn't vibe with this person because of these reasons. Great. You vet yourself in and out. Yeah. And from the hiring manager perspective, job descriptions are the only form of marketing collateral that exists to market a job. Think about that for a second. If companies claim that people are their biggest asset, think about how much money and resources they dedicate to attracting customers through marketing efforts and what they do to attract talent. We have a job description. That's it. That's where it stops. I agree. When you attract customers, think about the multi-level marketing campaign, how good we've got at analytics, understanding where the customers are, hitting them with the right message at the right time on multiple platforms so that they fall in love and have an emotional connection with your product or service to move them there. That is how we've sophisticated the buying process on attracting customers. If people are your biggest asset, why are we still using a paper resume that lists 15 skills and experiences you need to even have a conversation? That's the imbalance that I'm looking at fixing. If we could attract talent the same way you attract customers, man, you'd get some great talent. Yes. I mean, where did this idea just come from you? Where did this idea come from you to do this? I mean, just from personal experiences and looking for jobs or what? Yeah. So I, I like I've been always on a, a, the recruitment agency side for 15 years since I've been out of school. Yes. And when COVID hit, there was a massive shift in market dynamics and the candidates had more power and still do than they've ever had in this process. And employers didn't know what to do with the vulnerable position they were in. There were more jobs than there were people to fill them. So you had candidates that were getting seven, eight, nine offers at the same time, and they could work for anybody anywhere because it was a it was a remote workforce. So you weren't limited to small pool anymore. You were limited to work for anybody. So like competition opened up and companies struggled still. Some of them do to this day, because when you post a job online, nobody's applying to those anymore yeah. because they have options. There's a lot more out there. So they don't know how to market that experience. And that's, that's the opportunity that we saw and we're seizing. Do you see, cause this is, I've never heard of this before of people are actually even had a thought of actually changing the form of job descriptions or candidates into the video format. I mean, do you see a lot of people jumping on board to this or they're like, or more people just like, you know, people who hired managers are saying, well, I don't want to, film myself on camera and talk or they that camera shot i mean what's what's well, i guess what's the cons to this that you're seeing is what i'm asking yeah so it, there is somewhere and and the, the problems we get is like well 
you know, I'm not super extroverted or outgoing on camera. Um, And what I say is like, great. We talked about authenticity in this podcast. That's what we're going for. If you try to be something and you're not, you're going to attract people that are attracted to the fake version of you, which defeats the entire purpose we're doing. You're not extroverted. Don't be. Be yourself. Or if you're shy, nervous, be nervous, own it. That's you. Like it's being authentic. So like all we're doing is creating that moment of the, the most effective recruiting technique you could ever have, which is the personal referral, right? Yes. You're working somewhere, you, your, your boss is hiring and you're saying, I've got a friend that I think would be great for this. You call up your friend and say, hey, listen, got this opportunity with so-and-so. I think you guys would be great. I think you'd hit off. That is the best recruiting method ever. All we're doing is scaling that and and creating that those moments for people to see each other for who they are and and allow for that match to happen. So the feedback has been overwhelming. We've been, we've been it's just over a year now that we've been in kind of pilot phase and it's been massive. So this year is the year of scale for us. We just hired our creative director to come in and Spark Studios that's doing all of our 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 content, which essentially is the better job description and the resume. Um, and we have clients that have jumped on board with us in this year, say to us, same sort of thing as you is, is like, why is nobody else doing this? And there's no way I could do hire any other way after doing this. Yes. It's, it's way more efficient. It's actually saves time. Like they think it's like, well, I gotta do this video. And it's like, you do this video, you save two rounds of interviews. Of course. Yeah. How much time does that save right there? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it and just that it's hit me a couple of times that, you know, when people send uh, inquiries about, you know, wanting to be on the podcast or whatever, you know, actually, you know, going through a little press sheet or whatever, but I've had a few people actually send me a video and actually, you know, explaining to me why they want to be on the podcast. And it was like an actual, you know, a formal video that was directed towards me. And I remember just, like this, you know, I, I don't mind watching the video, but I read the press sheet. I was like, I don't want to read this. Right now. It's just lame. I don't afraid they're all the same yeah. thing, right? Here's your picture. This is what you've done. Cool. But, you know, actually, but, you know, when I've watched the videos and they're like, hey, Chris, I'm like, well, wait, well, they got my attention. What's going on? Yeah. And then, I, and, and then I get a feel for exactly what you were just saying, you know, how they are. How are they in front of the camera? What are they talking about? How well are they speaking? How well are they not speaking? You know, what are they? Are they are they real fidgety? Are they moving their hands a lot? But and just doing that, I was like, Hmm. in two minutes i was like done cool i got i do i want them on here let's go let's see what we'll see what happens and that was a re- and i never thought about it in that perspective like hey why are not people using this to hire candidates well think about how we're consuming content it's all video yes tiktok that, that, that instagram it's real everything everything is video so like why is it we spend most of our time at work but the, we're still using like these weird documents that nobody's reading anyway like we all skim through like there's just a better way of of getting that information out there that people actually want to consume. Right. So yes. that's the insight is like, you know, we're still like recruiters are still using coupons to try to get customers and like marketing has evolved way beyond that, but we're still mailing out the coupons to try to get people to come into the store. It's like, that's just not how things happen anymore. Like that, that process has just been so it's just, it's, it's ripe for transformation. It's been the same way for probably a hundred years um, and hasn't changed. Is that just because people don't like change? So there's, yeah. like, we're going to keep doing it this way. Hey, this will cause more work. Now I got to film a video. You know, why don't we just keep doing what we're doing and say, screw it? You know, who cares? 
but yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think it's so ingrained like in bigger companies too, because it's just it, like we talk about fixed mind. It's like, well, we always just do it this way. Yes, I hate the way that. we do it. Yeah. So, so yeah, but that's, that's it. Like, this is, this is just how we do it. And I was like, yeah, but you don't have to, you know, there's a better way, right? Like you don't have to do it this way anymore. Just cause you did do it this way. doesn't mean you can't do it a different way. So, but I think there's just a lot of that. And, and unfortunately in corporate land, it's just like, there's not a lot of people questioning, like, why are we doing, why do we do it this way? Like there is a better way to do it. And I think now with, you know, video being more available like that's how we do business now most of it is virtual so people are more comfortable being on film they're more likely to adopt you know the platform that that and the system that we're proposing so it is getting a lot more you know people are more comfortable in front of camera now so it makes it a lot easier Mm. i'm wondering if yeah because that was one of my biggest things even starting with this podcast that i was so nervous about being in front of a camera even though that it was just talking to one of my friends and I knew somebody was recording me. It's like, shit, well, what am I doing? Like, I don't, don't do, don't, you know, don't do something weird. What am I doing? But I'm wondering, and I was also thinking about this. Uh, hopefully this might be a good question. So when I was working in university, when we were going through these hiring committees, I guess is what we were. Um, and, you know, we would get a stack of resumes and covers, cover letters. And we would have, and per human resources, you know, and I don't know how every university operates, but the one I was at, they had each candidate had to fit into a certain matrix, right? You know, do they have the required years? Do they have the required education? Okay, if they have that, then they move to the next level. If they didn't, let's throw them in the trash or whatever. But is there a way to if you if this, you know, starts if a company was hiring for a typical position and they got a hundred video, uh hundred videos in, I mean, is there a way to like would somebody filter these out or would does somebody just have to go through each video and watch every two minute thing just to get a feel for each person? What do you think? So, so what I would do in, in the instance in big hiring events where you're going to get thousands of applicants, I wouldn't have them all do videos. I would have a screen to get them down first before you employed the video application piece. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not because, because the other thing you want is you want it to be a good experience for the candidates that don't get selected because there's nothing worse than applying for a job and never hearing like that's just a bad experience it's like well i put in the time i wrote this cover letter i did all this work and you you didn't even you didn't even tell me what's going on so like i'm a big believer in like they're people right like everybody is a person and they deserve if they're going to put in time something they deserve the time back to be reviewed and give some feedback whether that's automated through a tool however you want to do it but like if somebody's taking the time to to want to work for your company, then you should treat them like they eventually are going to be an employee. Maybe now it's not the right time, but they eventually are going to work for you. How would you treat them? Yes. Right? Like, and that's that's how we should be treating everybody. And good good companies do that, follow that practice. Some are very transactional in the moment. It's like, oh, you're not fit for this job next. It's like, yeah, but what about in a year when you have a different job and that person that you just totally ignored is now a great fit for that. So thinking about every person that applies eventually is going to work for you and treat them that way. Yeah. I mean, like it's just, I mean, you said that really well, Mike. I mean, we're people. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, and you know, we have emotions, we have feelings. And I remember, and that was one of my biggest stresses in life. I remember coming out of college. I had no clue what I was going to do. I was just applying for jobs just because I needed a job. You know, I was so afraid of being a loser when I, 
when I graduated from college, like all my friends were moving to bigger cities, starting their lives and their careers and getting married. And I was back home living with mom and pop. And I'm like, you know, what the hell, man? And so I was just applying just to apply. And just, and I remember so many, I, so in and, and the granted, you know, that I was applying just, I didn't really care where I was applying. I just knew I needed a job, but I just remember some of the jobs I was really, really wanting. It took the time to write those cover letters and make sure every, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's and everything was perfect. And that then just not to even hear of thanks, but no thanks, you know, it was just like so demeaning. It's so I just remember just like, man, you know, just like exactly what you just said. Like they couldn't even just send like a letter just saying, Hey, thanks for applying, but we went to a different direction. Yeah. And I was like, the thing is, 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 is what, like I realized I've been doing this so long and and I preach to my clients is the hiring process is, is vulnerable, right? Like candidates, they're putting themselves in a vulnerable position. Like the term, like it's not personal, it's business is bullshit, right? Like, of course it's personal, right? Because it's, it's people, right? Like we're people, we can get past that, that we have emotions that even in a professional standpoint, like you're bringing those emotions and you're bringing who you are to that. So like, the hiring process is a vulnerable one. You're putting yourself out there and there's a likelihood that you're going to get rejected. And somebody's going to tell you like, you're not good enough. Yes. Right. Like that sucks. And that hurts. It does. So, so like the thing is, is like respecting the vulnerable nature that people put them in and doing the best you can. And it doesn't take much. It's just giving them information, letting them know what's going on. Right. And yes. giving them feedback. So like that's something that we like that's why we call it humanizing hiring is because it's just people like all we're trying to do is respect the fact that people have emotions the hiring process is vulnerable for both hiring manager through our system because they're putting themselves out there they're not hiding behind the company anymore they're saying i'm mike and i want you to work for me and if you don't want to you don't like me so we're putting the hiring manager in a vulnerable position just like the candidates are nice. so that's the thing is now both people are vulnerable and you get to see you break down those barriers and have a real meaningful, authentic conversation. So humanizing that experience is really important. Mm. Man. I like that. I like that, Mike humanizing that experience. Yeah. It's just, and, and I'm glad you're putting so much thought and stuff into this hiring process. And just because, and I don't really know. Well, I mean, I know I've, I just, like I just told you, I got my, a new job to a couple months ago, but I really don't know what the job market is like right now. But I remember just like what I told you though, when I graduated college, it was just so demeaning just so like, I don't even know why I'm trying anymore. You know, I've thought I've done everything correctly. I went to school, you know, I got, I have degrees. I have, you know, I'm not an idiot. I, you know, I haven't done anything stupid not to get hired. So why am I not getting hired? And why is it, is my resume wrong? I mean, what is it? And then if I were to get the interview too, and then leave and just, you know, and never hear that. Thanks, but no thanks. Too. It was like, well, what, you know, what did I do wrong in the interview? Did I do something? Yeah. Weird? You know, what was wrong? You know, like, you know, was my hair not right? Whatever. And yeah. So it's just, and I'll tell, and I'll tell you something right now that'll help you is like my belief. And I've been doing this a long time. So tell you where you want. There's no bad candidates. It's just not the right time. Right. Like I believe most candidates can do any job within reason. We can't be doctors without going to med school. I agree. But, I agree. Right. I can do any job because it's skill-based, right? So if you don't get the job, it has nothing to do with you as an individual. It's not the right time for you. That's it. It's not personal. Like it's not, a, it shouldn't be a personal attack. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the skill set you have for the problem that is right in front of them in this moment. And it's not a good match. 
There's no bad candidates. There's bad fits, which uh, is very different. Point. Right. So it's not about that. Just like there's no perfect candidates, it's the perfect fit. The right candidate with the right skills at the right time. When you don't get the job, it's just the wrong time. It doesn't mean you're a bad candidate or you're inadequate. So I always like to tell people that if you're struggling and you're applying for jobs, it's not you. It's it's the wrong time for what you're applying for. Um, everybody is unique. We, we kicked it off by saying that. Everybody's unique because everybody has a different story and different life. Nobody has seen the life through your eyes sure. or my eyes. So what I bring to a job is going to be very different than anyone else, even if we're doing the same position. So if you can tap into the uniqueness of who you are, you will have no competition in the labor market because there's nobody like you. You know, I was thinking in other perspectives too, just how much interviews and like, not really recruitment, but just interviews played in my life. And just that even just even going to college and even doing my graduate school interview and just being a nerd. I was a nerd. I don't know. I guess I was a nervous right there. And, you know, even the people call me by my, the wrong, the, the lat, my wrong name at the end of the interview. And I just remember just felt, you know, the air just came right out of me, but now, but I'm just wondering, like you could apply these type of stuff or type of things into that settings right there. Not only just job related, but just, you know, going for a graduate interview and just saying, Hey, let's, let me make a video of why, I should go to X university. It was West Virginia university, by the way. And I'm still to remember that for the rest of my life. And I, and I, and I I remember that, I mean, just a quick side story that, you know, I went up there and I'd already passed the first process of, you know, the sending all your test scores, your resume. And I think that's the resume, your application and all that stuff. I was like, I'm in, they're inviting me up. I'm in second interview. No big deal. And I remember going through the process. They brought me into the room and, and yeah, went through the whole interview process and just right at the end of it, like, I guess he was the dean or whatever he was, but he was already looking at the guy who was in next. And he said, well, I think he called me John or something like that. He said, well, thanks, John. Thanks for being here. And I remember just sitting there and just like, because mm. I, I didn't know, I was like, well, I can't call this guy out. What do I do? And then luckily, another professor, and she spoke up and she's like, his name is Chris. And I remember he just like kind of dropped his pen and he he felt so embarrassed. It's like, oh shit, what did I just do? And he he ended up walking me out and was like, hey man, yeah, thanks. And you know, we'll see what happens, you know. And I was like, hey, I already know I got it. I already know I didn't get it, obviously. Why yeah. you tell me that? You know, and but I just but now that just you know, being able to like actually make a good video and send that in, I would have now like into your perspective and everything, just wow, that would have made me felt so much better than what they did to me that day. I just remember driving home and just being like, it's crappy, man. Yeah. It's crappy like, feeling. Like screws college. I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, but Mike, um, appreciate you being here. I, I've kept you longer than I probably should. This was a great um, conversation, man. I had a lot of fun. I had no idea where we were going to go. We, we talked about everything. This is, this is very Rogan-esque. Good. I'm a shoot from the hip kind of guy, and that's what I like, just to see where things go, is to start talking and, you know, build some good camaraderie, some good friendships, and you know, great minds think alike. I mean, I mean, you're you're one badass dude, Mike. So, I appreciate you being here. Thanks, thanks for having me, and likewise, this has been this has been a lot of fun. But but uh, real quick though, um, you know, if you want to plug all your stuff, or you want people to find you, or just anything you want to do in general, just. Feel free to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Mike Thompson, uh, the the company Spark Recruiting. Uh, sparkrecruiting.ca is the website, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So 
slide into my DMs, yeah. drop me a note. I love connecting with people. I love hearing about people's stories. Um, so please do connect with me. Well, any last words, last messages you want to, you think people should hear from you or you good? You know, I'll leave you with this because I, I like to, you know, we talk a lot about the hiring process and things and, you know, it's frustrating. It's all these, this stuff. It should be fun. You're trying to explore a relationship. It's dating. It's fun. Right. Like you're assessing out people. And I know that sometimes people don't have that luxury because they need a job and they're operating from a stressful position. But take your time because there's nothing worse than getting a bad job. So take your time. You're in the driver's seat. Candidates have more control than they've ever had in the hiring process. So enjoy the power position that you find yourself in. And if you don't think you're in a power position, connect with me and I'll remind you that you are. Mm. Mike, that's an excellent way to take this home right there on that note. <laughs> cool. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks for chatting with me. Thanks a lot, man. We're out of here, folks. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.